This episode is brought to you by Tupac and Dr. Dre and their inspirational quote. Your city is a bomb if your city make them pay. Uh, throw up a finger if you feel the same way. Dre putting it down for California, yeah. Welcome to the Stefan Dyer Podcast, my people. Hello, my people. Welcome to the Stefan Dyer Podcast where I welcome people with remarkable stories for amazingly vulnerable conversations. This episode was insane in the membrane. Michelle Falcon is a Peruvian Canadian restaurant entrepreneur, best-selling author, and keynote speaker. Arguably one of the most knowledgeable, smart, generous, and definitely relentless in capital letters people I've ever met. We discussed growing up in Vancouver, being raised by Peruvian parents, his motivation behind creating Brasa, which is a modern Peruvian fast casual restaurant, which is just starting in Toronto. It is incredible, but the purpose, he'll tell you. He'll tell you what his purpose is with this. We talked about identity, company culture, at which like he's the GOAT. He's incredible at company culture. We discuss his book, People First Culture. We laugh, we cry, we learn, my friends. A special announcement, follow the both of us on Instagram at Stefan Dyer and at Michelle Falcon because we will be giving away seven spots for my upcoming Productivity Machine Workshop where you'll learn over 45 tips and hacks to reduce anxiety, start feeling productive and not busy, and most importantly, to free up time for what matters to you. My friends, let's get this party started. Enjoy this episode like I know you will. In three, two, one, go! Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Stefan Dyer Podcast. I have here the unbreakable, the unmistakable, the highly capable, the master of disaster, the king of King Street West. <laughs> My friend, Michel Falcon, how are you? Much better now. Yes. I'm doing well. I'm happy I've met you. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to continue to know you. Yes, man. Um I am so excited to have you here. It it's become a bit of a tradition in the in the recent podcast episodes for me to tell the person why I invited them. So here's here's why I invited you and somebody canceled. Somebody canceled. <laughs> yeah, somebody canceled. Uh so this is why, and I'm looking straight into the camera right now for our uh, YouTube viewers. Uh, subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube right now. Why not? So Michelle is one of those people that I met, I think, three or four years ago. And here's what strikes me of Michelle. He's one of the most, like, smart, professional people who shares the knowledge Contrary to what I thought of you the first time that I saw you on at Borrow, obviously I thought that you were like very smart because it was um, you were with with the great uh, Jason Gaynard. You guys were having a fireside chat, and you had some really good points. And then I talked to you after, but so many people wanted to talk to you after that event that we just crossed. We just talked for like fifteen seconds, blah blah. And I'm like, well, that's that. And then I followed you on Instagram. I realize we have so many things in common. First of all, you're Peruvian. Mm -hmm. I'm Peruvian. Very similar where we are Peruvian, but we're not Peruvian. Because 
our parents are Peruvian, but we never lived in Peru. And, and I've been corrected in saying that I can't call myself Peruvian and that I, I'm Canadian Peruvian. Yeah, I, I guess me too. And then your your dad's birthday is my mom's birthday. When's your dad's birthday? October twenty fifth. There you go. And then <laughs> we both love learning. We both love reading. We both love high performance and company culture. Obviously, you're 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 the goat at that. And 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 I really learned a lot from you. But this is what I wanted to say. So on your Instagram, after I met you like four years ago, you shared like so much knowledge that I was like, there is nobody who's like successful and an open book. And then you started to do like, I need someone to do this, or I'm looking for someone like that. If you message me now, I'll hook you up with this. And I'm like, there is like uh, so many opportunities and knowledge just on your Instagram. I'm like, what would it be to be this guy's friend? <laughs> and then little by little, we started to to get to know each other. We went for coffee and then you started coaching me on, on my speaking business because you've traveled the world doing keynotes. And then... Arepas. Arepas. We you had you arepas. came to my house to have arepas and everything. So I'm like, this is one guy who doesn't just talk the talk, but you walk the walk. And the other thing is, you're so generous to the people around you. And when I first met you, I'm like, oh, whatever. This is just another guy who's smart and he's doing good. But then what you say you'll do, you do it. So I just want to... Uh, congratulate you on that and that is why i invited you my friend thank you i thought i was here because somebody canceled <laughs> no thank you very much i i uh could say the same great things about you right back at you um and i'm just happy to be having a conversation with you yeah man i'm 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 very excited especially because you've taken another uh drastic career turn and i and i think that's what makes what makes you great that it's not the company or the project it's in many ways greatness you're on to achieve bigger things where when you share the 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 project of brasa at the beginning when it was just not a reality but now it is i'm like this guy's taking on the world you know and and you do what you say you'll do I'm very comfortable with risk, like almost grossly comfortable with yeah. it. And, and I'm sure we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, I'm excited. I remember another, just another example. You hosted, I think two years ago or three years ago, in December, it was it was winter, or, or January, a goal-setting workshop and a productivity workshop, yeah. which I attended with Juan and, and, yep. and a couple of Malpensando people. Abraham was there too. I'm like, who are, like, I know nobody who just gives out their knowledge for free as well. It was free, yeah. Yeah, and and you do that in so many other areas. Obviously, when you do your corporate uh, speaking events, you 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 charge big money because you're you're great at that. But so we'll we'll get to the professional side. But I know that you're Peruvian. I know that you grew up in Vancouver, and this is where where I really want to listen on. What was it like being the son of of Raul Falcón Rosa, as uh, the brother of of Stephanie? In you, you were born in Edmonton, you grew up in Vancouver, but did you feel like a fish out of water 
because you're Peruvian, but you're not really Peruvian. You're Canadian, but you're not really Canadian. What was that experience like? This is something that I've started to get more comfortable sharing. Uh, and it really didn't come to my attention until several months ago. Um, and what I'm about to share, I'm ashamed of. Um, but I'm very, very proud to be Peruvian now. Canadian Peruvian. For the Peruvians that might correct me. Yeah. I grew up with my mom, my dad, and my sister, Stephanie. A very um, humble family. Um, we had enough, but not a lot of everything. Um, my father worked in restaurants. Uh, when I was really young, he was the manager of like the Four Seasons uh, restaurant. Um, and he worked at some fine dining restaurants in, in both Edmonton and then Vancouver when uh, we moved as a family. Uh, my mom, she is retiring at the end of June of this year, 2021, after working for Air, uh, with Air Canada for... I believe 37 years. Wow. So she's had that um, role for as long as I've been alive. And my sister's four years older. And we uh, went to uh, Catholic school. And in elementary school, I was the one of maybe two or three people that was a person of color. Um, and definitely the only Peruvian in this school. And I remember being ashamed of being Peruvian. And it was because I would get picked on. Yeah. Um, everybody in my class was white. They all brought, uh, what I thought was normal food. For lunch, and I would bring my food that kind of looked different and smelled yeah. smelled different. Yeah, I spoke this other language, and uh, you know, back then, I think if you spoke another language, it was a sign of being poor because you were an immigrant. Yeah, or you were a son or a daughter of immigrants. But now, if you speak a second or third language, you have a higher IQ. So it's interesting yeah. to think how that's changed. So good. Um, but the kids, you know, this was a school that was um, filled with uh, children whose parents uh, were doctors and lawyers and, you know, people of means. And, and uh, you know, I'm not trying to belittle my parents' effort in raising us because they did a fantastic job and, and did what they could with what they had. Exactly. Um, but the other kids would, you know, make fun of me because I didn't have the nicest shoes uh, when they would come to our house to play, as kids do. We had this really small house. It was probably, it was a townhouse. It was, um, uh, it wasn't even a townhouse. It was a, a duplex. And uh, there was about a thousand square feet for the four of us, one bathroom. And when they would come over, I wouldn't have the latest toys or Nintendo or the latest Nintendo system. So I'd get made fun of for that. Um, and I kind of was just like, I, I just want to be like the other kids. I, you know, a hundred percent remember asking my 
parents like why don't we have a big house like this boy um one thing that i remember uh, across the street we lived in this duplex at 2030 sandown place in north vancouver and uh, across the street was a much nicer house i still remember the family name they were an irish family the hughes much the dyers the di- no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, across the street from us, much nicer house with a front lawn and detached home, and it was a it was a nice house. And I remember um, one time, and, and this kind of became a habit where I would get dropped off by another classmate's parents, and I would have them actually drop me off at the other kid's house. And when they left, I would just cross the street and actually go yeah. to our house. I told my parents, like, don't speak to me in Spanish. Speak to me in English like the other kids. And looking back on that, I'm like, what a dumb little boy I was. But, uh, you know, I'll forgive myself. I have forgiven yeah, myself. I yeah. was seven. Um, and it was just, it was, now that I look back on it, like, man, I was a little, I was uh, like an an upset boy. Like, for for reasons that don't make sense to me now, but um, I'm not going to suggest my life was difficult. I had food. I got to play hockey. How my parents managed to afford to p- put me in ice hockey, like, is you know all so much respect to my parents because they figured it out. Yeah. Um, but you know those memories of being picked on for being Peruvian is a huge reason why I'm building the next business that I'm building. That's that's huge. I think that in and of itself is, uh, well, first of all, one of the reasons why I admire you the most uh, out of all the other things that you've done. But to, un- like, this is a huge undertaking. And I, I say this all the time, but it's not the result of, of Brasa, whether or not it'll it'll be the top, uh, like the best restaurant in the history of the world or the best fast food, quick service Peruvian restaurant in the world. But it doesn't, I think what matters, at least to me, having you as a friend is who you're being when you undertake that magnitude of a project. Because we all play small. We all play small because it's safe to p- play small. Sure. And, and the other thing is, if you don't, try it you don't fail you know that's true and it's so easy there's a there's a quote by Brene Brown that I have here on my desktop and I'm going to read it right now because it's so powerful and it and it goes like this which touches on on this topic and it goes and this is like magic i i have it all the time here it goes so it basically says um yes i cried my eyes out yes i wanted to disappear but i gave myself permission to feel these things for a couple of hours or days, then I reached out, talked to my talked through my feelings with people I trust and love, and I moved on. I felt more courageous, more compassionate, more connected. And here's the money. Here's when the money comes, okay? I also stopped reading anonymous comments. If you're not in the arena with the rest of us, fighting and getting your ass kicked on occasion, I'm not interested in your feedback. I subscribe to what she says. How um, easy is it to just go on Facebook and shit on 
whoever is trying to do something that matters to them, you know? With Michael, uh, the document, Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. Oh, uh, so I can't good. remember what episode it was, it was in when he says this, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, but uh, people would critique him for pushing his teammates too hard. And his response was like, that's easy for you to say. You've never won anything before. <laughs> yeah. When I heard him say that, I'm like, do you know how disarming that would be to have him say that to you? There's nothing you can say back. <laughs> He's completely stripped you naked with his words by saying that. Yeah. It, it, and it's easy. Well, yeah, we say like it's Michael Jordan. Obviously, he's saying it, but. He was Michael Jordan before he became Michael Jordan. Is who he, who he was being. He could have missed a, like shots and not had six rings, or he could have not made that that shot that shot with with North Carolina in, in college. Yeah. And maybe his career would have gone otherwise. Maybe he wouldn't have been cut from his high school team. And not it doesn't matter. But I think what matters is who you're fucking being when you make these decisions. You could have just chilled. With Barra, with Petty Cash, traveling, traveling around the world, uh, doing your keynote speaking, which you're making like so, like you're really doing really good at this with your with your book, People First Culture. So, but you don't, and you undertake this. What apart from this, was there any other motivation? Do you, do you like uncertainty, like many uh, second generation or, or or first generation immigrants? Yeah. Um... Before venturing off to start planning uh, Brasa Peruvian Kitchen, before the pandemic happened, um, there was a year leading up to uh, transitioning between my former career, let's say, and the new one I wanted to embark on. The former career, which involved being a partner at Borrow and Petty Cash, these venues on King Street in Toronto, I had my keynote speaking, which paid me very well. And then I had my book. So I had multiple streams of income. And before the pandemic, I should have, uh, if the pandemic never happened, I would have made $500,000 uh, a year quite easily doing that. Yeah. However, um, it goes to show that money isn't everything. Um, I wasn't content. I There's a, a multitude of reasons in why I wanted to venture off and start Brass Approving Kitchen. But one of the top three reasons I would say is because it's going to be so hard to do what I'm going to try to do. And I know myself very well. When I get comfortable, I become disengaged because I've done it before. Yeah. Right. It's um and and you know in in some respects I I know I can do it again. Where is the challenge? Um, and I think I draw that back to my childhood. Uh, my parents worked a lot because they had to. Um, they they raised me very well. Right, because you wonder about somebody's character. Where does that character come from? And it definitely comes from my parents. And and that's a a different conversation, but because they worked so much, I had to teach myself a lot of things. I had to raise myself in many respects. Like I taught myself how to ice skate and play hockey by myself. Like there's, there's not the national Peruvian <laughs> hockey team. 
Um, You'd probably be on it. I maybe, yeah. and maybe that's the next thing I do. Yeah. But for now, I got to focus on Brasa. But you know, I taught myself how to play sports by myself. I taught myself how to write business plans by myself. Like I've just been very self motivated, and things haven't come easy to me. And I'm not saying like I'm not kicking and screaming and crying and saying I want things to come easy to me for me. I'm not asking for that at all. I'm just so used to things being so hard um, that anything less than that isn't fulfilling. So with Brasa, um, well, pardon me, with my career before Brasa, um, I was comfortable. Like Sophia, uh, my fiance and I would had everything we needed yeah. and we would have grown from there and, and continue to have everything we needed. But now I've completely turned that upside down and, you know, Sophia, God bless her. She's my greatest enabler um, yeah. in, in, in a positive respect where I'm just like, Hey, this is what I want to do. If I said, Hey, we have to move to uh, moose jaw, Saskatchewan. <laughs> For six months because of this reason, she'd be like, okay, uh, I'll start packing some stuff for us, right? Like, so when I came to her and said, look, I, I'm going to have a career change um, and I'm, I want to build this fast, casual, Peruvian inspired restaurant and I want to grow a thousand, I want thousands of stores and tens of thousands of employees who have great jobs and love their job and um, that is what I want, not just for myself, but also for the economy. If I can contribute to the economy in that respect, if I can create a legacy where people yes. that worked for Brasa, they see it as their alma mater. You know, maybe they don't stay within our organization forever, but maybe they stay for a year and then they go do that thing that they want to actually go do. And they, you know, look back fondly at their time at Brasa. Like some people look fondly back at their time at, you know, Western University or wherever. Um, but then lastly, I'm a, you know, like you, I listen to podcasts until my ears bleed and, and I'm a huge, uh, my greatest strength along with my work ethic is my ability to learn. Same. And I listen to podcasts of people that have come before me, trailblazers. Um, and, and my favorite entrepreneur um, is, is Howard Schultz from Starbucks. Uh, and then there's many other people that, um, that also inspire me, but could I build a company that is like that, that creates great jobs, um, provides um, fulfillment and helps people secure their livelihoods and customers love our brand and one day we become publicly traded and um, you know along that path we're having a great time doing it and maybe somebody 20 years younger than me listens to a podcast that I was on perhaps it's this podcast and like I am inspired by him I want to be a part of that group and I'm mm -hmm. not you know do I want people to herald me and like carry, <laughs> carry me down the street like some sort of weird god no I don't want that but I I just I I want to do good um and I want to look back and be like I positively impacted a lot of people and you know let's not let's not kid myself and i want to be a very wealthy individual as well right yeah. uh because i want everything for my family like i like my mom 
and my dad and my sister and Sophia just being able to give everything I can to them. Um, and to do that, you know, I, I do have to uh, acquire some wealth, right? Uh, but I want to do it the right way. Like, do, do you think it would be hard for me to go uh, spend a lot of money on Facebook ads and position myself as this guru who charges 23-year-olds $99 a month and I'll show you the good life. I could easily do that and make hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. I could easily do that. But then I have to live with myself. Yeah. And my reputation really matters to me. It, it, it does. Like, not to everyone. Like, there's some people that will have a negative opinion on me. Uh, but they've never met me. So that doesn't matter to me. But for people like yourself, yes. what you think of me matters to me. What Sophia's family thinks of me matters to me. And, you know, the customers of Brasa, when we open, and this godforsaken pandemic has uh, has uh, really challenged me. But, you know, what do our customers, our suppliers, our investors, what do they think of us and our brand and our company? Um, because I would like to grow old one day and smile at what I did. Yeah, I to your topic on, on your reputation, I was listening to a podcast that said self-esteem is the reputation that you have with yourself. And I think that you have a, a very high self-esteem. And when you say that you want to give back to your family and to Sophia, when I read your book, I called you on, on I called you because I love this part of the book where you said that your purpose is to make people feel safe, to make your family feel safe. Mm -hmm. And as someone who I think is still trying to find my purpose or in some ways I know what it is or not, I called you up and I was like, this is the best part of the book. How, mm -hmm. how did you find out about this? And, and, uh, I don't remember exactly what you said, but you told me that your mom, your dad, you want to give back to them. And it's always uh, been in, in many ways your role to protect them, to make them feel like, hey, you guys did it for me when I was a kid. I got you. It's kind of like the passing of the torch. Like they did their job. Yeah. Um, and now it's my turn. And I... And even with Sophia as well, like Sophia does compliment me and say, I feel safe around you. And that's like music to my ears because it makes me feel like I'm doing my job as her partner. Uh, but as the son of, of uh, my mom and my dad, um, yeah, I want them to know that somebody's got their back because, you know, as immigrants, like who had their back like they just yeah. had to figure it out right and tread water and keep their head above it um i don't know if it's a south american thing too um my dad's a, a is very much a protector as well in miami when i was young i witnessed my dad get stabbed uh protecting my mom like um it's it's a longer story but what uh, yeah We were in Miami on a vacation, and this is in a rental car. And this is when Budget and Avis uh, would advertise on the outside of the car. But uh, they, I, I don't know if a law was passed, but they no longer advertise on the outside of cars because you're they a target. You're a tourist. Exactly. So we were at a red light, and this person came and 
out of nowhere broke the windshield the uh, passenger's uh, windshield where my mom was sitting and pulled out a knife and went to go stab my mom in the chest and i she she would have died she would have died and i was in the back seat with my mom or with my sister my dad was driving and my dad having the reflexes that he had um saw what was about to happen and put his forearm out to protect her and you know, had a very deep, they were stabbed in the arm. And I remember there's just blood everywhere in the car. And like my dad had the strength to drive himself to the hospital. What? And that's when I first saw like that, that instinct of protect my family. And at the time I'm like six. I didn't know what was going on. I remember the police talking to us and calming us down, me and my sister. And like, I remember them taking us to a, a pop um, a vending machine and giving us pop and chips. And I was happy, right? Because I was like, oh, pop and chips. Yeah. I didn't really know my dad was getting <laughs> surgery to save his arm. And I was just like, oh, I love this. Um, but now that I look back on it, and I've come to this realization a long time ago, it's like that was the first example I saw of protect your family. And that has carried uh, with me through as I've grown up. And now I very much feel the same way. But when it comes to, so that's my personal life. When it comes to my professional life, it's anybody that is in my orbit, I will protect you too. I want what is best for you Based on what you say is best for you. Yes, that's not, huge. Not based on what the company says is best for you. Like, shame on any company that will only invest in their team if their team is going to stay with them for 20 years and get that golden watch or whatever happens at 20 years. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, no. Uh, our responsibility of companies are to create great jobs that help great people secure their livelihoods. And if they so choose to leave the organization, they should be celebrated on their way out the same way that they were celebrated on their way into the company. And for some reason, beyond me, and I'm not going to spend a moment trying to think of why, not everybody sees it that way, but I see it that way. And, and Starbucks sees it that way. And who's going to argue, debate if you like Starbucks coffee with me? Sure. Is there better coffee in the market? We can debate that. Can you debate Starbucks success? You cannot. So I think there's something there. And, and that's why going back to being a student of not just business life, right? Um, I picked up on these things early in my career and I said this is going to be the foundation of my career. And uh, yes, I want to create tens of thousands of jobs and, 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 uh, and have these uh, team members uh, grow with the company or, or use it as a springboard to something else. I love that. I think one of the reasons of your success at, at such a young age. Uh, I'm 35. Do you know what I realized the other day? You're 30. Yeah. I'm not so young anymore. It Dude, feels like when I was 25, yeah, I'm, young, yeah, I'm right? 33, but the the level of success that you've achieved, man, like being a partner at Borrow, being like petty cash, traveling the world, doing your keynotes, 
you were promoted like five times or three. I don't remember how many times at five and five, five times in five, five, years. five times in five years at one eight hundred got junk. Yep. So this doesn't just happen by coincidence. You know, there there's things that you may have been doing that you didn't know you were doing at the beginning, but since you've been learning so much about yourself and through game changers and trailblazers. That gives you a lot of self-awareness to to be able to double down on the things that you do best, which is learning, as you said, is, is one of them. And and the other one that I'm fascinated about is your understanding of company culture and how to treat people. I remember one time you said, Don't call it staff. I don't yeah, I call book. it I call it a team or or how do you say team members? Team members, yeah. That's and, that's And what like. what fascinates me about you is that I've heard you so many times go against the current where you a lot of people do it this way i do it this way for example one of the questions that you in your book and that you do with borrow is what is a item that you would buy yourself for pleasure under $20 yeah and then when they join the company you gift them that not a lot of people do that well yeah i i could not tell you how i came up with that interview question but I can tell you literally hundreds of companies have uh, used this now in how they hire. And essentially, uh, uh, how the question goes is, what is an indulgence? Well, actually, let's do it right now. Okay. So you're interviewing to be an accountant, uh, a controller at Brass's head office when we need a controller. Okay. Uh, but whether you're interviewing to be a controller or somebody that works at one of our retail stores, you're going to get this question regardless. So what is an indulgence that you cannot live without that costs less than $20? One of the things that I love to get is a Oreo milkshake. Okay. At... Baskin Robbins. Is that an indulgence or that's just... Yeah, that's definitely an indulgence. Uh, An Oreo milkshake from Baskin Robbins. Okay, perfect. So on we go with the interview. We ask you more interview questions. You go through our entire process and that could be several days, maybe maybe even weeks, depending on the seniority of the role. Um, Congratulations. We want to offer you a position. Great. Then we say, you know, your April 1st is when uh, your start date is. And here's the address of our head office and we'll see you there. So you you arrive and uh, we welcome you. We onboard you. You meet the team. And then uh, immediately after, in the first hour of arriving, uh, we'll sit you down for orientation, onboarding. Uh, But then there'll also be this this gift bag and there'll be a handwritten card uh that says um something meaningful like you know thank you for choosing us Mm -hmm. and and then think about the language that needs to go into that welcoming letter it's like if you're hiring top talent that person has many other options. You're not the only exactly. game in the in the city, right? Um, so thank you for choosing us. We can't wait to grow with you. Da, 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 da. Um, now, your indulgence is a little tricky because it is perishable. 
right? Yes. So what we would do instead is we would get you a $20 gift certificate from Baskin Robbins. But in the card, we would say, we appreciated your, uh, your response. Uh, we've got you a gift certificate just so that it doesn't melt. Enjoy your Oreo uh, milkshake yes. from Baskin Robbins. Now, let's say you had said coffee. That or, wouldn't have been enough, right? Like, so in the interview process, we would have asked more follow-up questions. Okay, what type of coffee? Dark roast, medium roast, or light roast? Uh, dark roast. Okay, dark roast. Uh, from what region of the world? Colombia? Costa Rica? Costa Rica. Okay. He likes Costa Rican dark roast coffee. Do you like have a particular brand? Yeah, XYZ brand. Okay, great. Yes. So that gift is then... That specific gift is then in the gift bag because it's not enough just to give coffee. You know why? Because it's not specific enough. When you ask your employees to deliver a, a personalized customer experience, we, we always ask our customers or our employees to do that. Personalize the customer experience. Well, I need to do that in the interview process so that you know what that looks like, right? Um, and then also... We want to create an experience that you've never seen before in the workplace so that you can create an experience that the people you interact with as the controller of our company has never seen before as well, right? And and that could be, it doesn't have to be the traditional customer, right? As the controller of our company, you probably interact with our investors, you interact with our lenders, like you got to treat, you know, the way that I'm building Brasa and I fully intend on growing quickly. So it's important that I create these rules now in the beginning, in the inception of the company. 100%. Anybody that interacts with our brand, whether it's a customer that eats with us every day or even our suppliers who we pay, the media, anybody that interacts with our brand is going to be treated like our best customer because that's what authentic brands do. I've always been I've always wanted to ask you this and now that we're talking about it you're the perfect person to ask. I heard in in a podcast I think it was it was Jason Gaynard's podcast that one of the best ways to hire and fire is to have clear company core values. Mm -hmm. And I remember you saying that your questions are framed in the interview process are framed in a way that encapsulate or include some of your core values so that you know clearly from the interview process whether this person is a good fit yeah so how can we include core values in the questions could you give me an, an example because yeah. you're really good at this so with the hospitality company i was involved in um and, and still am to this day just not operationally Uh, our core values were celebration, ownership, foresight, integrity, and humility. Okay. Now that's great if you just want to slap it on the wall, right? Then like, yes, done. I've got core values, but there's no point of doing it unless you're going to embed it into the DNA of the company and it helps you, helps guide you and helps you operate. So what we would do in the interview process, so you're the controller, the first 10 questions you get are related to those five core values. So we, I recommend asking two questions per core value that you have to understand if the candidate that you're interviewing Uh, will live within those values. So two questions for uh, humility, 
right? Is this individual a humble person? We'll develop two questions to help you understand whether that person's a humble person. And then at that moment, you have a decision to make. Uh, is this person going to fit within our culture or not? And if they're not going to, get them out of the interview process right away. And that's why I recommend asking the culture questions before any other, any type of skill-related question. Because we have all worked with that jerk who is talented and yes. protected by their company because they're, they're a good salesperson, but nobody likes them. They ruin the team chemistry. You know, if you think about sports... In sports teams, yes. uh, the championship sports teams have this fierce camaraderie. Correct. And why can't we have that same type of uh, motivation within the companies that we have? And even to expand on that, you talked, uh, you mentioned earlier that, you know, pardon me, I mentioned earlier that I want our team members to really feel respected. Um, cared about and invested in well guess what that's exactly how Sophia feels I treat her and that's how you treat your wife and that's why we have successful relationships so do you think I would have any friends or anybody that loved me if I treated them poorly (laughs) no I wouldn't so why do we think it's remotely acceptable to have those type of uh, to have fragmented and hurtful relationships in the workplace because now i know some people might roll their eyes and say well that's different that's business and that's personal no it's human behavior it's human connection that's the commonality we're human beings who feel stuff and react to how we are treated And it can affect your performance. Of course. Right? Like, do you think Sophia and I would have a great relationship if we disrespected each other? No, we would always be fighting and maybe we would not be together. So why is the workplace relationship any different? Right? Like, you know, if I was always yelling at Sophia, like some managers and leaders do, yelling at their team, like... Nobody gets jacked up by that, right? Like I think it's also misconstrued and, and misinterpreted from old school, maybe back home, whatever, that you had to be an asshole to be a good leader. And to be respected. Yeah. yeah. I think that is very insecure. Uh, that That's the way that people that are very insecure with their leadership and, and themselves, that's how they lead. Um, I would like um, to enter the room in a workplace where people are like, good, he's here rather than like, Oh great. He's here. Uh Uh-huh. In, in March, March 13, 2018, it was the time that I met you and I took notes and on the Jason, with Jason. Okay. And what you just said, there's something very similar. And I quote the great Michelle Falcon. We do not hire brilliant jerks because the cost of teamwork is too high. I wish I came up with that. Oh, you didn't? It was Jason? I didn't know. Oh. It was probably me who said it. You said it. But that comes from Reed Hastings, the co-CEO of Netflix. Oh, no. 
Yeah, he is currently the co-CEO and founder of Netflix. He said there you go. he said exactly what you just said. And the way that goes back to me being a student, just finding great companies and studying them. When I read that, I thought to myself, I said, wow, that's brilliant. And I was taught something earlier in my career. Um, R&D doesn't have to stand for research and development. It can stand for rip off and duplicate. <laughs> and yeah. that is one of the things that I'm going to rip off and duplicate. Like, you know, it's it just, it, it sounds cliche, but like our careers are too short to not be enjoyable. We, we, everyone genuinely has a choice to make change. Now I understand like, I understand that some people's situations might be a little different, but nothing changes unless you change your environment. So if you're not, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not happy with where you work or your career, well, nobody's going to save you. <laughs> yeah, that's right? so like you, true. You need to take ownership over your own outcome. And I'm not saying quit tomorrow. Don't do that. Because you need to secure your livelihood. But what I am suggesting is create a path to exit. What does that great company look like? What does it feel like? What do you want to feel like when you go to work? Yeah. Okay, well, go find a company that um, you believe has the reputation to provide that to you. But nobody's going to help you. Like, you got to do it yourself. And sometimes... Speaking from my own experience, when I when I quit my job, some people think that I woke up one day and I was like, "I quit." No, like <laughs> I kind of I kind of planned that planned ahead, like you said. Of course. And some of the feelings, because a lot of times we think it's happiness that we're chasing, but I think it's it's fulfillment, it's it's success, it's livelihood, it's fun. A, a lot of a lot of these feelings that were, and you can get that elsewhere it doesn't have to be in that cubicle or that office job obviously you have to check that box of of your professional life because that's how you make the money but you may get that vibrant feeling from joining a a soccer league you know mm-hmm. with with some friends or going skiing sometimes so it doesn't need to be black and white all the time like you said like quit now you don't you can you can draw a plan and and do other things I, I'm going to mention two things that you said that day, which I think are brilliant because it ties with what we're talking about. And then I want to ask you about what what kind of scares you about this Brasa journey. Mm-hmm. So on the topic of core values, somebody that day in 2018 asked you, how do you create core values? And you said, ask yourself, how do I want this company to operate when I'm not even in the building? Mm-hmm. Take a step back and leave it leave it alone for a week. It's a good, and then write, so write about it. It's a good indication if you're three pages into the writing of of how you want that to go. And you recommended working with a copywriter with like someone who can voice your words. Mm -hmm. And then another brilliant thing that you said, which you've implemented at Borrow and and, and your other companies, the employee advisory board. Mm -hmm. So basically you've created a, a board where you Talk with one member of each team and, and ask them what would their dream workplace look like and to bring to the table the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. And managers, you said, are not allowed in the meeting 
because they already have their own meeting. Yep. So you get feedback from all these areas. And, You're covering all bases. Yeah, and they're not scared to say what they think. There aren't now. Um, <laughs> uh, so the employee advisory board is something that I created. Uh, I did not R&D this. I did not rip off and duplicate it. It's my own little invention. Um, because uh, going into 2016, I didn't have any hospitality experience. I worked in restaurants in like college, but I didn't have any ownership operating hospitality experience. So when I looked at the market, or the industry, I recognize that there's very high turnover in this industry. Yes. Okay, why is that? Because we need to fix that. If your company has high employee turnover, you probably have bad customer service as well, right? The two are very interconnected. So one of the problems with the employee turnover in the hospitality industry is that uh, – Often, and maybe it's not even just hospitality, it could be many other industries where people don't feel like they have a voice in the company. Mm-hmm. And our company had 150 employees, uh, so there's a lot of potential people that needed a voice. So I said, okay, well, how am I going to do this? So I said, okay, I'm going to create a team. Uh, one person from every department is going to meet with uh, my business partner, Brandon, and I once a month for two hours and we're going to do exactly as you describe we're going to ask them uh you know describe the workplace of your dreams and tell us what we're doing well and what we're doing poorly and uh what that individual would do is when they knew the meeting was happening they would go to their peers in their department and gather that feedback and speak on their behalf at that meeting and we always said we want transparency like we don't know what we don't know. So please, like nobody, I promise you, nobody will be fired for sharing information here. We want to hear the good as well because we know we're doing good. Uh, and I'm, I don't want to just hear good for my own self-worth. It's because I want to know what to keep doing, right, that you like. Yeah, that's so important. Right? Yeah. And and then we do want to hear the bad. Um, and, you know, there are times where employees would say things of like, ooh, there was a better way to say that, but um, <laughs> but it's our responsibility to teach our team how to communicate diplomatically, but plainly as well, right? Like, just tell me what's on your mind. I can tell, like, I'm a really good reader of body language, and I can tell when people aren't telling me the truth, and I'll just say, just out with it. Tell me what you want to tell me. You will not get harmed. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's interesting to think, when were we ever taught? To communicate, not just in the workplace, but in life. Exactly. How to properly deliver a message. We were never taught that. And with Brassa, we're going to have an entire module on communication, not just in the workplace, but, you know, just general speaking. Yeah. And if that team member can take that, those new skills and become a better spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend, that's pretty cool to me. Uh-huh. And who taught them that? Their company? That's when like business isn't business anymore. I don't know what, you know, we're not like this goodwill, like, um, cause, cause we are in it to build a business. But like, if we can help individuals grow as people, not just as workers, 
that's where I want to see companies go. And I want to have my role in that. Now, I think you asked me a question, but I have forgotten it. Yes. To, on that topic, we've had conversations a couple of weeks ago on what you want for your, your employees. And to, I'm, I'm just stunned because I haven't seen it in any other company. And by the way, Brasa hasn't even exploded yet. And it hasn't you're all, even started. It hasn't even started and you're yeah. already looking into this. Mm-hmm. When the opportunity cost of not focusing on the, on, on the money making right now is pretty high. But the fact that you are focusing on the human aspect just tells me that this is going to succeed. Well, restaurants aren't – restaurants are a people business. And I – Sounds cliche, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Yes, our product has to be great. You know, Nike can't sell shoes that fall apart and still be Nike. Exactly. Brasa can't be Brasa and an exceptional company by having bad food. Exactly. You know, it, it, people aren't going to be like, oh, this food's gross, but they do well. <laughs> no, man, you can't do that. You need yeah. both to work in harmony together. But – I want people to feel, you know, my measure of success, of course, there's monetary success. That's obvious. But I want people to say, this is generally the best company I've ever worked for. That is more meaningful than even a customer saying, I love your food, mm-hmm. right? Like that, that's a must and a given. And I expect that to happen. But if one day I get an email from an employee who I've never met before in a store in Austin, Texas and said, Hey, we haven't met, but Michelle, this is the best company that I've ever worked for. That will make me emotional. And that will tell me that we are doing the right things. Um, In many ways, you're making him or her or them feel safe, which, which goes to tie in with, with your purpose, what part of yeah. of the business or starting this business makes you scared or anxious right now? The first thing uh, that comes to mind is um, failing, for sure. Um, not exceeding the expectations of the people that have invested in me. Not exceeding my own expectations. Uh, not exceeding my family's expectations, even though they have no expectation of me at all. Yeah, right. Like so I big. just have told myself that they do, and you wrote keep, it months ago on social media to, to keep huge, yeah, and and just to keep going and going because I am extraordinarily almost unhealthy competitive with myself. And I'm probably a psychiatrist or a therapist, like dream client. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this man needs to be rewired. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm confident in myself, but uh, sometimes I maybe push it too hard. Um, but whatever. Um, I remember in the goals workshop that you taught, you said that you set three big goals for the year. And you'd be okay to not accomplish one or two of them just because they're big goals. I I regret saying that. <laughs> I realize I regret saying well, that because you, because I, I understand that. Like, Shoot high, and if you miss, you've still accomplished a lot. Um, I actually don't subscribe to that. So if I said that, I misspoke. Um, because 
I just am wired like a robot that I need to do it all. Uh, and I like that pressure on myself. And, and people will tell me that's not healthy. Well, that's not healthy for you. Right. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and look, if I collapse one day from exhaustion and die, then you are right, right from the grave. But, um, yeah, yeah. but I, I like this pressure, but it also like, there are times where I'm like, there's a lot of pressure on me. Like with this business, I'm a solo founder. So everything needs to be project managed by me. That one day will change when I can afford to have a head office and some other um, talented people join me. And I have to say, I look forward to that day. Um, but for now, it's it's me leading everything. Um, but it's it's the bed I have made, and I love it. And I've always, like if I went from 2007 working as a call center employee to 2021, and I've done some cool things along the way, if I'm to attribute that success to one thing, it would be because I'm always thinking ahead. Like right now, physically, I'm in 2021. Mentally, I'm in 2025, already <laughs> thinking about it there. Um, and it's just how I have lived my life, and it has served me well so far. But I, the future excites me. And I want to get there because I, I feel like I can see it on the horizon. Be like, it looks cool over there. Let's go. Right? Maybe one of your assets, uh, your strengths, which is mine too, apart from learner, is futuristic. Maybe you're always – but one of the things that you have, which a lot of futuristic people don't have, is that you execute. Like yeah, you're there, I, I, but you also like do I'm, in the now. I'm conscious of what needs to be done to get there. Because law of attraction is law of attraction. But guess what? You need to do some work to attract the things that you yeah. want, yeah. right? Um, so what personal things are you excited about today when you're not thinking about 2025? What brings you joy? Because introducing Peruvian flavors and exports to people who have never had it. Like... Could you imagine if we had a lomo saltado here and a ceviche and stuff? Like, I would eat that food every day for the rest of my life. And and you walk around Toronto or New York or Chicago or any of these major cities in North America and ask 100 people, have you had Peruvian food? 10 people will say yes. 20 people will say, I don't know. And the rest will probably say no. Um, so Brasa Peruvian Kitchen, just to be very clear, is not traditional food per se. Uh, what I'm doing, uh, to get North Americans more familiar with the flavors of Peru is I'm leading with bowls and salads, which you've tried. Delicious. Thank you. Um, I'm leading with things that are familiar to them, warm bowls and salads, but we're using proving flavors. Ahi panca, rocoto, ahi amarillo, uh, and proving exports. Mangoes, lucuma, and the list goes on. Uh, to get people even uh, to try Peruvian flavors. Because one of my goals is to have 
us be a springboard for North Americans to actually go to a Peruvian restaurant after. So we're not a Peruvian restaurant per se, but there are some great Peruvian restaurants in Toronto and New York and Miami and Chicago and da, 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 da. But if we can be that bridge between, I've never had Peruvian food to, I had Peruvian flavors through that Brasa place. Let's go see what the real thing is like. And we're able to send customers over I mean, to a Peruvian restaurant run by a Peruvian family. Uh, and then maybe the customer, the North American customer that never had Peruvian food, if, if they came and, and frequented our restaurants, um, and then one day they said, you know what, I'm going to go to Peru. I've been meaning to go to Peru for 10 years because I've heard of Machu Picchu and, I've, and all this stuff. I'm going to go. And then they go and they have a fantastic time. And they come back and they email us or tweet us and say, you were the brand that sent us to Peru finally. Yes. And we loved our time there. That's cool. Because Brasa Peruvian Kitchen isn't just about feeding people uh, and introducing them to Peruvian flavors. It's like, come explore the culture. Mm -hmm. The cultures, you and I know this, and, and we're biased, obviously, but it's a beautiful culture with beautiful people, beautiful music, like food that will bring you to your knees. There's Machu Picchu, there's the coast, there's the Amazon, there's the Andes, like it goes on and on and on. But this is the thing. And, and the country of Peru and all their strengths and beauty haven't properly been marketed to the North American market. That's my opinion. I agree. And 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 the people that have done great things already, like they're trailblazers for sure, but they need help, right? They need, you know, all hands on deck. Many individuals like us need to ensure that we're pounding our chest and talking about Peru. So I want to do my part because when I was six, I was embarrassed to be Peruvian. I am extraordinarily proud now and i it's almost like i'm so embarrassed of feeling that when i was younger that i'm like i need to do my duty i need to do my uh, i need to uh, manage my responsibility and also take care of the country like i fully have a, a philanthropic effort uh, and plan for our company because i i've been to peru maybe 15 times in my life and I've seen beauty, but I've also seen poverty. Um, yes. And, and it's, it's a responsibility of mine to, if I'm going to build this company and create great jobs and create a great livelihood for myself, I need to take some of that wealth and I need to give it back to the country that even gave me an opportunity to do what I'm about to do. I love that. I, I think that you're doing more from Peru than, than a lot of Peruvians have done for Peru. And, and Can we talk about that for a second? Oh, I, I want to talk we about that. So we have to. We have to. I'm going to let you lead the way because you and I have talked about this because yes. I want to have my part in stopping this because I'm starting to see this for my and, – and for the Peruvians listening, I really hope this hit home for you because I'm, I don't understand it. Yeah. So – it's not all Peruvians, and I know that if people see this on social media, don't generalize. I don't okay, this is what I've seen on all, not one, all the Latinos on Facebook groups, especially like 
All of them, but Mexican, Venezolanos in Toronto, and, and Peruanos in Toronto. Anytime someone tries to put a Peruvian restaurant in North America, in Toronto, like, no, no es como Peru, it's not like Peru, blah, 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 cultural appropriation, they're just trying to do this, this, and that. So, no, no, pollo a la brasa, it doesn't taste like the pollo a la brasa of Lima, of course. Because we're not in Lima. No, like Mexican tacos. Like you go to whatever. No, no se pare. They're not like the tacos in, in, in Reforma or in, la, la, in El Zócalo, blah, blah, blah. Of course. No, los tacos al pastor, no sé. They're not like, like the what. Dude, of, we're in Canada. We, you have to do what you can with what you have. But any, I've seen this many times. Anytime somebody tries to do something great, and they put them, they, they go in the arena. The people who haven't accomplished shit, they come and shit on the people who are trying to do great things. So you need to have thick skin. I, I think, I know you're the guy to do it. But at the same time, I'm like, you have to have like laser focused purpose and understanding that you're going to do it regardless of all the noise. And you know what's going to happen? Five years from now, or two years from now, or ten years, whatever, you're going to be in 25 countries or 600, 10,000 branches in the U.S. And they're going to be like, yeah, I knew Michel Falcon. He's in Peru. I follow him on Instagram when he was starting. I like his pictures. And it, Dude, they... It's... Yeah, I've had it already. Like, um, I've already had this um, criticism, which I'm, you know, I'm not trying to please everyone. I'm very you careful can't. with my words. I don't. Brass Peruvian Kitchen is not traditional Peruvian food, period. And I've had to make myself very clear. Like Chipotle. Right. Or Starbucks to Italian coffee. Yeah. When they started, right? Um, and I remember calling you and saying, hey, like, why am I getting all this hate? <laughs> like, my feelings are hurt. Yeah. All right. Like, I, I, so you coached me and you gave me some background info, but my mom always said, yeah, we just, as a culture, it's, it's a, we always just chop each other down for some reason, and incredible. You know, I look at the, uh, I look at the Jewish community, and they all seem to be very tight knit and support each other and and bring each other up. I would like to see more of that with South Americans. And if I'm to talk about just Peru, like, I like look, I like, I come in peace. I do no harm. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I'm just trying to create I come jobs. In peace. Yeah, yeah, like please accept me. Um, but no, in, in all sincerity, like I, I would like us to see us become stronger as a culture and let's create great jobs together and let's create wealth together. Uh, let's enjoy our food together, the music together. Like, come yeah. on now, like enough of this. And I've seen it in oh these Facebook God. groups. I'm like watching, like I got to close this down and burn my laptop after what, reading what I just read. You want to get a viral post on Facebook? Go on Peruanos en Toronto <laughs> or Venezolanos en Toronto or Mexicanos en Toronto and write, what do you think about this restaurant? 
and they're gonna destroy it and really invest their time in writing paragraphs on why this restaurant and their owners are shit. Imagine if they spent imagine if you spent that energy in supporting each other or or maybe like investing in your own life in your own personal growth. Yeah, and 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 look, this is some of the stuff that like I uh you you had mentioned early on how I hosted that workshop that you and Juan and and uh a lot yeah, of us went had, had, had attended and it was just you know I did it for free. Why did I want to do it for free? Cuz I was like I think I have some knowledge that people might uh want to learn because earlier in my career somebody taught me for free mm-hmm. and that's just paying it forward. And like why wouldn't I want to get in a room with other cool people and just you know talk and present and meet them like that sounds fun, like fun to me i don't need to have my you know i'll let the bigger companies put money in my bank account right i don't yes so you know as i'm building brassa my intention is i i'm going to continue to do that like i'm going to have these career development workshops <laughs> that i host on my own and and look for the for the individuals in these in peruanos de, in, in toronto like attend yeah Come. Right? Like, I promise you, I'm not a bad guy. (laughs) This is the best part. They don't have to eat the food. That is true. That that is very true. It's it's It's, like... Somebody somebody, uh, accused me of cultural appropriation because she's like, that's a pollo de raza. And I was like, well, I said it's pollo de raza flavor. I was like, our restaurants, like, don't have spits and this isn't our business model. And she's like, that's cultural appropriation. I'm like, cultural... I'm proven. Like, I, like <laughs> I'm just trying to get people to like. Hey, I like this. Like, oh come relax. And, and we could talk about this for hours. Yeah, but, but they, we they won't. go. They they go on these. On the the effort it takes to go on the channel, the Instagram account, or the Facebook, read through the posts, and see which one am I gonna shit on. And as if you're like protecting the culture, what yeah. like what's going? On? I think the best demonstration of heritage, pride in who you are and where you come from, is to honor your roots with with a restaurant. And the and the beautiful thing is that you're doing it like really well, like hiring top chefs to do. Peruvian chefs, of course, of Peruvian course. chefs to do the rest. Based in Toronto, yeah, based in Toronto. So I'm like, you're you're employing people, like spending thousands of dollars. The graphic design is in line with the culture. It's beautiful, has the colors, uh, um, and I'm like, I even commented, I'm like, how is it cult- cultural appropriation yeah. if it's for like by Peruvians? The design is by Peruvians. The chefs are Peruvian. It's really Somebody well. Somebody DM'd us and said. You're not a Peruvian brand because you're not using red. I was like, <laughs> all right, I can't win here. Yeah, no, and, and this is the thing. These are the same people that are going to claim that they knew you when you were starting. And I then I would like to know everybody. Yeah. And, and, and you know what it is? Like, I just yesterday, the day before, the city of Toronto celebrated Greek independence there you go why not proving independence does the city of toronto celebrate proving independence day 
they have the Latin Hispanic Heritage Month in October. Does does John Tory? That's our mayor, right? John. Tory? Yeah, John Tory. Yeah. Does he? Jet, July twenty eighth. I don't know yes. if he goes to the embassy or to the consulate. Right, but they made you know he was there celebrating um, uh, Greek Independence Day, and yep. I'm not saying that you know, but it's just like how can we at least locally in Toronto first like all come together and get other people celebrating our culture, 100%. and then it bleeds out from there because then like think about what that does to the local Peruvian economy. Could we get more resources for learning and education and and job creation for ourselves? Exactly right, like. It you know I I I feel um, this driving passion to be a part of it, um, and and you know I I just I want to bring people along, uh, and let's yeah. do it together and let's eat some good food at the same time. The other thing the other thing that bugs me is that, and and I'm happy that your company looks really really good like really professional. But this is what happens too, and I have to say. Th- Latinos will and immigrants in general would not dare go to McDonald's and they're like uh happy meal like a Big Mac combo. Okay, 9.95 whatever it is. Uh hey, can you give me a discount man? I got $7. You don't do that at McDonald's. Hey Mr. McDonald's, can you give me a discount? <laughs> you can't do that. But then you go to the fucking small businesses by Peruvians, Venezuelans, blah blah blah. You you talk shit behind them as they're serving you food. You, you this is like shit. You go on Yelp and the, and the fucking Facebook page. You shit on their restaurant, and even when you're at the restaurant, you're like, or if it's a smaller place, you're like, hey, a discount for me, man. So we're like hurting each other, but you wouldn't dare do that with a Canadian, you know? Right. With a Canadian business. Yeah, I I I don't subscribe to that. <laughs> I think it's just like for me. When it comes to friends, um, and in this case, countrymen and country mates, um, just pay full price. Yeah, right? like yeah. You pay full price. And, and again, for disclaimer, maybe people are shitting on me as, as they listen to this. Not all no, yes. Peruvians. Yes, 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 yes. Not yes, yes, all yes, Venice. But it happens. It happens a lot. It even happens with Malpensando. I'm right. like, you don't go to the second city and be like, hey, man, I got $215. Yeah. Can I take the whole course? Yeah. And I get it. We're immigrants. Some some people, especially newcomers, are having to do jobs that are not very well paying. So naturally, if you can if you can pay less, then why not pay less? But think but of it long term. Think of spin it this way. Let's say you're having to pay twenty percent more than you wanted to. Maybe you'll put in 20% more effort to take that education, apply it so that you can earn 20% more from what, like think about it that way, right? Um, because the long-term game. 100%. And that's the thing is like a lot of people have paralysis from the short-term game is like now, 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 tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And I understand people's situations are different, but look, like I did not grow up wealthy, Okay. I started my career earning minimum wage in a call center for a while, but I worked hard. I worked hard. I worked hard. I worked hard. And, you know, eventually I I was uh, courageous enough to take a little bit of risk and, and now I'm in a good position, right? But it's not like you you do have to start somewhere, but, um, you know, having a vision for where you want to be is one thing, 
but executing on the plan is the thing. Totally. I think you've worked more than just hard. I think you've worked very smart because a lot of people work just hard. Sure. And and you've been really strategic about it. And in line with your thoughts of being in 2025, uh, we've come to the champagne question, which talks about the future. And and uh, I, I really took this question from <laughs> Jason Gaynard's little book and... It goes like this. So this is the question for all the guests. And it goes like this. If we were to meet a year from now with a bottle of champagne, what are we celebrating in Michelle's life? I am about to get married. We've had to delay our our wedding because um, of COVID. Uh, So I'm about to get married. Uh, my parents are healthy. My sister is healthy. Uh, so that is the personal stuff. Um, professionally, uh, Brasa's first store is open. It is thriving. Our Google reviews is through the roof. Um, a lot of people are wanting to collaborate with us. And we have signed our second lease. Um, and that is being developed. Um, so that's what we would be celebrating. And... Um, along with that, I'm happy. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm seeing it come together and I'm happy. And there's not a lot that makes me happy. Like, look, Brasa is not going to make me monetarily happy. I'm not paying myself until we get to four stores or $6 million a year in revenue. So happiness is going to have to come another way, um, in the early days. Um, and I know that my happiness is going to be coming from other people that work with me. Uh, and again, having somebody say, this is the best place I've ever worked would make me very happy. So I have to go out and I have to build that. I love that. I think you have a, a, a solid group of friends. You got Soph, you got your parents, Mm -hmm. you, you got Stephanie, your sister, and and at the end of the day, I think that if you do the things right and you play the long-term game, which you have, uh, like great things will happen. So I think you have a good mix of the future, but also uh, of the present. Like I've copied a lot, of, a lot of things that you do. I don't have a dog, but the morning walks, mm-hmm. the fitness, the, the reading, the podcasting, the... I don't travel as much. Well, we don't. None of us travel anymore that much. But, <laughs> but uh, Cody, Cody Shuan, who's who's on this podcast, he said that the life's magical moments happen in the pockets of pause. Those moments where you pause, those are the best moments. So while your life is going to be a roller coaster and you have so many things on the go, I think you still have anchors like Soph and your family and your friends and those moments of pause that allow you to breathe and just enjoy the present otherwise we go crazy man yep i hear that and i agree well my friend i am very happy to have you here uh, so proud of you man continue doing great things thank you and and just know that you're representing uh, peruvian culture like so so good i'm very proud of you and 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 i support you i think A lot of us support you, and I'm so happy that you're going to continue doing great things. 
I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Big hug, man. This is Stephen Dyer, Michelle Falcon on the Stephen Dyer Podcast. Chao, chao. Gracias por escuchar el Stefan Dyer Podcast. Arrivederci, my people.